Hey, it's so good to see you. Uh, I hope you're having a great summer. I don't know if any, anybody else in some bad routines right now. I am staying up way too late, way too many times in a row. Anybody in that habit right now? Just be honest with me. Just be honest. Come on. Make me feel better. Two hands. Okay, cool. We'll meet. We're going to have a meeting over here and talk through our struggles. Uh, I'm not going to lie, this awesome warm weather, the, the multiple experiences, just a breath sometimes of fresh air, uh, new family uh, you know, experiences, uh, great things that you get a chance to do. Uh, summers can be packed full of free time. That's the way I kind of describe it, right? <laughs> packed full of free time, because you get free time and then you just fill it up with everything. So I'm glad you chose to be here. I'm glad you chose to uh, participate this morning. Uh, those of you that are watching online, I know there's a lot of people that are watching online that, that weren't able to make it, and I appreciate you uh, tuning in. Uh, this is uh, kind of the middle, kind of middle, like kind of ending, you know, kind of that like turn the corner part of this series, Radical Summer. Uh, it's our sixth week. Um, this has been a fun series to kind of dive through, and Kevin, Kevin got us started the first uh, three weeks, and then I've had a chance here to preach a couple, and this is my third, and I'm, I'm, I kind of love where this series is going to kind of end. And so I just give you kind of a, a small plug that you won't want to miss uh, next week. You will not want to miss next week because that is the conclusion of the series. So I'll just give that a small plug. Uh, come back next week if you have a chance. You won't want to miss that. It's kind of a neat way that this whole series kind of ties up. But today uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things. And uh, that's because I am a, a storyteller. Uh, if anybody has been around me for maybe longer than two minutes, they know I have a story for everything, uh, and it drives uh, one particular person that's been with me for a long time, sometimes crazy, uh, and she would never say this, but I know it, that I have a story for everything, and I don't want you to know right away, uh, I'm going to do my best to keep this under an hour, all right? So we'll just hang in here together, and I'm just going to tell her all my stories, and we're going to be <laughs> just going to have a ton of fun. Just kidding. I have a timer up there. I can see it. And someone up there just freaked out. Just kidding. I can see it. We're good. Here's the thing about stories, though. They're transcendent and fun, and they, they sometimes move us past um, racial, financial, economic, cultural, and even uh, sometimes even gender differences. Sometimes they transcend and they move us to see things differently, to understand the world differently. They tell us in deep ways in simple things, or simple things in deep ways. And it's so cool to watch what stories do in our lives. And some of you have have uh, stories that you were told from a very young age uh, that have uh, shaped you. Um, I, I think about one of the, the favorite things I say all the time right, around the students that I work with, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Anybody know what, what story this is? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Anybody know that story? Anybody know? All right, raise your hand if you knew that story. Just participate with me. Okay, good. Because what, what, what happens next? I, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, right? This little choo-choo train going up the hill, all right? Nobody's tracking, okay, cool. There's other little stories, though, that you were told as a child, and some of them they were told in movies. Uh, for me, like uh, Disney movies shaped me. I still remember when Bambi's mom got shot, and I watched that for the first time. I remember thinking, what? She's just missing. They'll find her later, all right? Then I moved to Missouri, and I realized, no, she just got shot. Because <laughs> I was in Oregon at the time. We need to shoot things up there, right? <laughs> Seriously, though, like, stories have a way of transcending, and you have stories that have been a part of your life. And, and the, the crazy thing is, some of them are silly, and they're children's-type books, and, and, but some of them are your stories. They're, they're your life. Uh, they're, they're things that you've experienced. Uh, they're things that have shaped you. 
There are things that sometimes you don't even remember the story as accurate as someone close to you, and they'll remind you of it because it's that pivotal of a story. Some of you proposed, and the person you proposed to remembers it better than you do. Some of you went through a traumatic, crazy event, and you still remember it as vividly as if it was yesterday. And stories, experiences, our stories have shaped us into who we are. And so a few years ago, I was listening to a series from a church called New Spring in Charlotte, and they had this statement that just blew my mind for kind of understanding the power of what's really going on behind the scenes in our stories and with stories. And this is the statement. It's just kind of a cool thing to kind of launch us off into this idea of what stories is really, what's really going on behind the scenes. It says, everybody has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. I may or may not come up there, but I'll say it again. Uh, every person has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. If you're, if you're looking at kingswaymo.info, that's right there. You can look at it. And if you're walking on it, listen to me one more time. Every person has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Now, why this is, to me, a great place to start, it's the conversation where you go from knowing someone's name to knowing their story, to knowing a little bit more about them, to knowing a little bit deeper about who they are. I've had those experiences in my life where I may have judged someone. I may have made some assumptions about someone that I've never met. Uh, This is so much easier to do now than it was 20 years ago. But you just read one comment, you see one post, You see one thing happen on the interwebs and you make all these crazy ideas pop into your mind. But then you sit down with that same person and you're across the table. They had no idea you felt that way. And then they share a story or you hear about a story that's going on behind the scenes, unbeknownst to you. And it gives you a fuller understanding of who you're looking at, of who you're staring at, of why they are the way they are, why they say the things they say. That doesn't mean you agree with it every time. It doesn't even mean that you accept it. But man, in an instant, you realize that each person in here is 100% convinced that they're right from their own perspective. Each person is convinced in here they're 100% right from their perspective. And our stories give us that perspective, don't they? Don't they open that up? I've been watching this series on Netflix on Vietnam, the Vietnam War. Has anybody checked this out by PBS? It was aired a couple years ago. Man, it's crazy. It's like wrecking my heart because it's 20 hours, 10 episodes. So, like, I'm a history junkie. But right in the middle of the series, one of the generals says a statement that has just stuck with me. And it sa- he says this, Ignorance, it is, it is impossible to extinguish ignorance while retaining 
arrogance. It is impossible to extinguish ignorance while retaining arrogance. So this morning, I want you to do something for me. I want you to let go of maybe your thoughts about your own story and then your thoughts about other people's stories. I want you to possibly think about in a way that God could want to use your story outside of the ways that you're currently using it. I want you to think about that your story may have a greater impact and have a greater motivation for someone else to see something new. And I also want you to think about other people's stories in your life as something worth listening to. As something worth inviting that voice in. As something worth possibly looking into, having a moment to sit down and go, is this something that God is trying to speak to me through? Because stories shape us. Now, the Bible's not silent on stories. And I want to just use one passage of Scripture to kind of expose how Jesus interacts and tells us to use and multiply and make powerful our words and our stories. These are three little examples of influence, three little parables of our opportunities to show and shine and display what we know and have learned through our stories. Now, Jesus uses this cool little thing called parables. So before we get into this, I want you to realize these are, these are cool little illustrations with deep impact and meaning underneath. Cool little illustrations, but with deep impact and meaning. And we're going to go through three quick little ones. This is in Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 21. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to a crowd. He's telling them about what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you remember a few weeks ago, this is Jesus' common theme through a lot of his ministry. He's describing the world that we're in now is not the place that we're going. So he's describing what is to come, what this new relationship, what this new world that he's bringing in is supposed to look like. So this is what he says. He said to them, do, do you bring in a lamp to put under a bowl or a bed? No, instead, don't you put it on a stand. Now, just... Keep in mind here, this is like, just picture a candle, because that's most of the time what they would be using here. They would bring in this candle, and it might have an oil, it might have a wick, but they would bring it in, and then they would set it. And so he's just using a simple illustration. Do you put a bowl over it? Do you set it under the bed? No, you put it on a stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Pause right there. That is a refrain that Jesus says over and over and over again. If anyone has ears, let them hear. This is not talking about the words. It's not. This is that parable idea. There is something deeper here. So pause and go back to that verse before. Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Pause. How many of you guys just thought about negative things when you read that? How many of you guys just thought about secrets, terrible things? See how we read into that? We naturally just think all our deep dark. No, of course that's part of it. That's of course part of it. No, yeah, but, but here's, here's the scary thing. Some of you guys have really good 
hope-filled, faithful, great, amazing stories of God's goodness, of, your, of his greatness, of his love, of his displays of splendor and glory. And now read that verse with that context. Read that verse with that context. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. For whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. Do not hold this. Is a light destructive or good? It's good. It's a good thing. Keep going. If any of you has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Within the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And even more. Pause. Do you see how this is positive? You see how this is positive? He's saying, look, I'm giving you this incredible story. I'm laying this out for you. I'm trying to display my goodness and love so that you can reflect it. So that you can show it. So that you can display it. Even more and more, whoever will be given more, whoever does not have, even when they will be taken away from them. Oh my gosh, I screwed that up so bad. Let's read that again. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is the, the idea that when you don't share it, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. How many of you guys ever had a first love that you never talked to her or him? You know what I'm talking about? Look at me, you know what I'm talking about. You sat next to her in kindergarten. You heard that country song? Check yes or no. I can do this. And you crumpled it up. <laughs> and you never handed it off. And now you're sitting next to him. Or her. I'm just kidding. No, just take that to a dark place. But see, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the thing. Marriage is great, guys. Come on, it's a joke, all right? Here's the thought process, though. That is a simple way that you see this play out. It's a simple way that you see this play out, that you have something that is fresh, that is hope-filled, that is joyful, that is good, that is something we're sharing, and then you do nothing with it. You hold on to it. Hmm. So then he keeps going in case you missed the point, because we got three of these. Whoever said this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He's just making sure you remember this is what we're talking about. A man scatters seed on the ground, and night and day, whether he sleeps and gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though we does not know how. Pause. How many of y'all planted something or harvested something in the last, like, month? All right. There's, like, three hands in here. You guys are exhausted. They're probably harvesting it right now. They don't have time to be here. All right, it's wheat season, all right? But we got some rain, right? Is it wheat? Am I right? Oh, man, I'm wrong. I'm screwed. But here's the thought, but go back real quick because we need to stay there. When you don't share your story, go back to 27 and 26. When you don't share your story, it's tempting to use results as the reason. Does that make sense? When you don't share what you have, it's tempting to use results as the reason. But that's what Jesus is using as the illustration. This is the power of what's going on here. When you plant a seed, do you get to watch it grow? Kind of. But not at the beginning. You put it in the deep, dark earth. And you just put some little water on it. You let the sun hit it. And you just hope that it comes up. 
You can't dig a little tunnel down there and just encourage it, right? Come on, little, you can do it. No. But yet we, look, yet we hold on to our hope and our love and our stories as if we have to see the results from them before we start. Like we have to, we have to know where, we're, where, where the results are going to come from. We have to know that the impact will be true to even start to share. And Jesus is just going, hey, sometimes you, you spread this message. Sometimes you share these stories and you don't know the results that will come. And here's the crazy thing is, the timing of it is probably not in your timing. It's probably going to happen a little later and a little slower than you want. Hey, it'd be awesome to plant corn tomorrow and get it on Friday, right? That's just not how it works. Keep going. He also said, this is what the, uh, also by myself, the soil spread, uh, produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the fir- full kernel in the head. Make sense? As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, and because of that, has a harvest to come. Now, here's the, the cool thing about this. This is all Jesus is saying is, spread your story. <laughs> spread his glory, his joy, his love. Spread it out. Share it. Use it. And he's saying, there's something that comes out of that. It's a process. It's a process. It starts in the dark. But down the way, it produces a harvest. Now, if this isn't clear enough, he's got one more. He's got one more story. And again, he said, I mean, you can imagine being in the crowd. You're like, one more? (laughs) What else could it be? What else could it be? And what, what shall we say to the kingdom of God is like? What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? You can tell at this, he's like, I am struggling for the words because this is so important. I'm struggling to communicate something that is divine and eternal with momentary speech. Think about that for a second. How hard that would be. How difficult that would be. It is like a mustard seed, which is smallest of all seeds. When it's planted, and yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, which it's big branches that birds can perch in its shade. There's not some small thing hanging in the balance, though it may feel small to you. There is something large hanging in the balance. Something so large that it will affect even the things around it, not just the place it's planted. Make sense? There's something so large hanging in the balance that even the things around it are affected. For you, you have something that will offer light and hope. You have an opportunity to spread it. And the impact is greater than you can imagine. And it will affect more than you thought. That's those three parables in a nutshell. So what does that mean for us? If this whole summer, if this is what we've been talking about for six weeks, being the church, not going to church, but being the church, what does that mean for us? That means being the church is being a part of a bigger story. 
Being the church is about being part of a bigger story. It's recognizing that though your life may feel small sometimes and your growth may feel stunted and small at times, that there are big things waiting in the balance. And that your light may feel small like a candle, but in dark places, it can make all the difference. And that your story is what God fell in love with. Your name and who you are and your process is what God is absolutely head over heels for. Who you are. I know I talk a lot about parenting in here, but just think about this. From a parent's perspective, if you don't have kids, you've watched a kid grow in your life sometime. Probably watching a couple in here grow. You're like, is that the same kid? Kid's four foot tall now. I held him as a baby. And he just said something that I wouldn't repeat. (laughs) Here's the thought process behind this. When you watch a child grow, it is a joy. It is a joy to watch this thing, learn, experience new things, describe it back. I mean, you ever watched a two-year-old describe something that you're like, that is way beyond your uh, vocabulary? (laughs) You ever watched a 10-year-old describe something that he was so excited about he can't get more than three words out? That's like my favorite. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like, whoa! And like, whoa! And like, oh my gosh, this is so cool! You think that stops at 10? No, I think that's absolutely in our spiritual journey. And I think that's what God just sits back and waits for those moments of happiness and hope. And he waits for those moments of new discovery and new experience. And he sits there and goes, this is the journey we're all on. This is so fun. This is so good. And we're a part. That's the church. We're a part of that. Now the fun thing is, you are a part of that. Individually. I know I've been quoting Bob Goff a lot, but you're going to have to just believe me when I say he is just on fire right now with amazing quotes. This was his quote this week on Facebook that just blew my mind. Right here. We don't always get to pick the parable we're living, but we get to pick who we are in the parable. This is my challenge to you. You didn't get to pick your story. You know what I'm saying? Look at me. Look at me. There's so much pain in this room. There's so much disappointment, hurt, frustration, depression. I know it's here. You did not get to pick your story. Some things happened to you. Some things were out of your control. This world is broken and destined for death. That's all this world is. And this is a new kingdom. This is something fresh. This is something with hope and love that is not a bargaining chip but it's freely given. And when I read that, you know what that tells me? I can choose to see myself as someone that's hidden away in the dark and will never grow. Or I can choose to believe that God is still at work, 
that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that the seeds I'm planting, even in my pain, even in my brokenness, even in the hurt in my life, even though I feel like I have nothing to offer, even when I feel like I'm destined to be broken forever, as I still spread the hope and the faithfulness that is true beyond my ability, I believe that writes me and that writes you into the position of this parable is trying to aim for. That you have the ability to reflect the love and the hope of Christ right where you're at. And in that moment, you plant the seed of the coming kingdom. And you stare down the death and destruction of the one that you're living in. And you say, no more. Something new is started. Something new is being planted. Something new is shining. Something new will last forever. And I have seen it and I will share it. In those moments, I believe you see for the first time how your story is not written off, but is written into the larger mosaic of who Christ is and his kingdom that is to come. And as you and I figure out how to do that daily, I believe it starts to expose what the church is really all about, not a building and programs, but people that have a name, and that have a story, and who God cares about deeply. And you and I should too. Being the church means sharing your part of the bigger story. Being the church means you need to share your part of the bigger story. And I know for some of you in here, you you have not experienced this bigger story. I've been talking this whole time. And you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I've never experienced that. That's what's so amazing. You're sitting next to some people who have. You're sitting next to a bunch of people who have experienced something larger than themselves. A love that is greater than their own. A healing that is beyond what they even needed to heal. Something that is speaking deeper to things that they didn't even know they needed to hear a voice speak into, who they are, that they're loved, accepted, and valued because of the name they carry, and their story reflects it. The seeds they're spreading have it at the center. I love one of my favorite passages on this topic is First Peter. First Peter is uh, Peter's just writing to the church in general, and he's trying to get the church to understand that suffering sometimes has its moments of brilliance because God never wastes pain. Pain is a microphone. Pain is not something that dilutes you or breaks you down. Pain is an opportunity. It's a passport to people who would never listen. I'm telling you. And if you don't think that's true, look no further than the cross. And this is what he's saying to a church that's suffering and hurting. And at the very end, this is what, this is what he says at, at this section where he's talking about suffering. And so he says, but your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Listen, have no fear, have no fear for anything else but Christ. And don't fear him as like a God that's going to put a magnifying glass on your forehead or a God that's angry at you. Fear him because of how large he is. I've used this illustration with you before. Just picture the manliest man you've ever seen with a fresh hour-old baby holding him gently. That baby reveres that man, of course, but he doesn't even fully grasp how strong and how capable 
He is. This is that, that, that imagery that's being here. Revere Christ. He's got you. He's big. He's strong. He is God. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. If you want to memorize something, if you're working on memorizing a scripture, if you want, that is one right there. I just, I, I want you to have that one in the back of your mind. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And for some of you in here, you want to quote a scripture, you want to talk about a specific story in the Bible, you want to use someone else's. No, 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 no. You have. Where does it intersect with your life? Where has it impacted your life? Where has God been using it in your heart, in your world? And then just because he knows that even before Facebook, we could weaponize this. See that right there? There wasn't even social media yet. And he already cutting that off. <laughs> but do this with gentleness and respect. <laughs> Pause, because some of us in here were like, oh yeah, got it. I'm going to go, guns blazing. The truth is, when you find that reason for the hope that you have, it reveals the parts of your story that are worth sharing, that are worth talking about, that are worth diving into, that are worth bringing up, that are worth exposing, bringing into the light, not hiding it, not worried about the results it's going to bring, and not forgetting that the impact that your words and your stories could have could be huge to not even the person you're looking at, but the people even around you that you're not. Always be prepared to have a reason for the hope that you have. Now, very quickly, I just want to share with you kind of a quick thought process on how to do this. Because some of you in here are very extroverted people. There's like three of us. And you're like totally excited about the sermon, right? And like, yes. And you're like mapped it out already on a napkin while I was talking. And you're going to be at the door, just anybody that'll listen. All right. Or you're going to put it on Facebook immediately. Get that. That's like three of you. For everyone else, including myself, who is more introverted than, I, than people think, I like to be by myself, which is just nuts. All right. But it's true. All right. Here's just a three, kind of three quick ideas for how to take a step to do this. All right. First one, start small. If you're thinking about trying to share the hope that you have, some of us in here, you're just going to try to explain it all in one go. And 45 minutes later on the phone, everybody's asleep. All right? Or you haven't even touched the food you ordered at the restaurant and no one remembers anything and you talked in circles. So just start small. Start small. Find a little thing, share it. One to two minutes, just a quick little splurp. Just something that you're like, man, this is just so neat. I need to think about, form this in my mind and have it ready because this is so good. And I know that the people around me, if they could just know this, if they could just hear this about my story, I, I would love to just find a way to fit this in with one of my coworkers, fit this in on that drive with so-and-so, fit this in at lunch, fit this in with that conversation over the phone, fit this in on the golf green, fit this in in our common language and life and let that be something that's just sprinkled that just shines 
The second one is this. Uh, point to Jesus. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't believe how easy, even, all right, even as a pastor, I'll just warn you, I told you the stage doesn't make me perfect. Uh, even as a pastor, you tell a story and at the end you forgot why you told it. You ever had that happen? Like, why am I sharing this story again? I forgot. <laughs> and in normal conversation, this is so easy to have this happen. You, you get into it, you're so excited, but you're trying to make a point, not a difference. And so you're trying to get your political view, your racial view, your sexist view, whatever view it is, out. All right? And you're trying to expose this idea, this concept. And then all of a sudden you forget that the whole goal was hope and Jesus and love at the center of it. So whatever you're talking about, make sure you land the ship and you point to the person who provided the hope. Revere him. Revere him. Hold him in high esteem. Speak with hope, but point to Christ. Point to Jesus. And the last one is, how about this? Just start with a friend that knows you. All right? Don't, don't just pick some random person off the side of the street or some coworker you've never talked to. I mean, you could if you're brave. I mean, you're crazy. But start, you could just start with a friend. Just even someone that knows your story, right? You're like, I know, I know, I know, I know your story. Just, just listen for a couple minutes. I just want to practice. I just want to try this. I want you to, to hear this part of my story. And you'd be surprised how many people are close to you right now and do not even know some of these pivotal things, pivotal things that are in your life that are hope, that have brought the gospel deep inside of you that have been the light that has shown, that has provided the harvest that you are still reaping today, that has gone further and had a larger impact than anyone knew. And it started by this two-minute story that you could just share with a friend and encourage one another in that moment. So here's the thing. Just start small, point to Jesus, and try it on a friend first. Just try it. You could do it. It doesn't have to be a voice, although I do think face-to-face -face is best. Even John says, I write to you with, hand, with, uh, with pen and letter because I long to be face-to-face. -face. But you know what? Sometimes Facebook's the only way. That's okay. That's okay. Just don't use it as an excuse not to get face-to-face. -face. Sound good? I want to conclude by telling you about a guy named Marty. Marty was one of my leaders in my high school ministry uh, when I was in high school. And Marty was a mailman. Uh, we only, I only remember that because I don't know his last name. I just know him as Marty the Mailman. But Marty had one of the largest impacts on my life. One of those impacts that I look back on now and I, I don't think he fully knew. Um, he loved the Bible, but he loved people better. Um, he was so good with memorizing scripture but he was so good at speaking kindly and compassionately and encouragingly. And I think back to Marty um, because I wonder how many of us have someone like Marty in our life. That just a one minute illustration right there of just pointing it out. Because Marty reflected Jesus in everything he did. Everything. He was so kind but so truthful at the same time. So gentle and compassionate, but absolutely confrontive because he wanted us to experience full life. And I wonder how many of us could be a Marty. How many, I wonder how many of us have one 
that we're thinking about right now. Let's be a church that tells our story. Let's be the church that shares our story, our part of the bigger story. Let's do that together. Can we do that? Let me pray for you.